Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name's Denise Ferguson from Fine Today's and today I'm here with Joe Howarth. Hi Joe, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. So are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking the heavy stuff. I'm on um, water. It's not a sorry. bucket of gin, is it? Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> no problem because you're recording number three and I am on glass number three. So this is going to be fun. so joe what's your business called and what do you do my business is called the happiness club and i teach people how to look after their own mental health and emotional well-being um because i think it's important to be able to do that and i had help to look after mine so now i help other people to look after theirs in a kind of paying it forward way um, yeah, sort of. It was that kind of thing where once you learn some of the stuff that I've learnt, really, I just felt like I couldn't not share it, if that makes sense. It, it was something that I had to, I had to shout from the rooftops. Um, and I still feel that way. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm on a, I'm, I'm on an X Factor journey too. You know, I'm, I'm still growing and developing and learning new stuff myself every day. Um, and having revelations and realizations and all that beautiful stuff. Um, And part of what we do in the Happiness Club is share that with the members of the club to reassure them, to inspire them, to show them that everybody is a work in progress and that's okay. Um, And that they're in a safe space to be able to do that themselves. Yeah, I've been asked Oh, I, I don't know if it's a social media thing because there seems to be days where the same question gets asked by a million people in different forms every day and I just find it baffling but anyway a lot that's happened today and it may be because I had you coming on the podcast was um who makes you happy and I always say me I make me happy because I've been through that journey of other people making me really unhappy and it took me a long time to realize that one I was in charge of my own emotions but two if other people were making me unhappy I was also using other people to make me feel happy and I needed all of those emotions to come from me and not that I stick by that all of the time I don't it's a practice that I have to keep working on but I try to keep myself level which is and I know you don't know me very well at all, but I come from an Irish family where everything is fiery as hell. And I loved that. And so to take that away from me was really hard. So trying to live a more even life is like reteaching myself how to walk because my automatic reaction is fire all the time. So it's definitely something that I work on all the time. What was it with you that made you have to work on your happiness? So, oh my goodness, so many things over the years. How long have you got? Um, <laughs> Tell um, me everything, baby. So the first, the first, uh, my first um, foray, there's a word, into, um, into the world of therapy and learning how to help myself and all of that was when I was 25, which was, you know, like a couple of weeks ago yeah like yesterday or the day before yeah yeah yeah, it wasn't that long ago um because my 
bless him, my dad passed away very suddenly. He was 50 and I was 25. Oh, shit, that's not old enough. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't, bless his cottons. Um, he had a massive heart attack and he was gone. Um, and that sent me, that's what sent me to therapy because obviously my entire world, my parents had split when I was younger and I'd had quite a turbulent childhood, but he was obviously still part of it. Um, so yeah, that that's what sort of turned my world upside down and got me into therapy, which until I went to therapy, I thought was a load of bollocks, obviously. Um, and it changed, it just transformed my life. It changed, I didn't even, I can remember sitting, listening to my therapist talk and thinking, I didn't even know it was possible to think this way. It's like I'd been brought up in such a negative environment that I had no idea like positive thinking was even a thing. It was like, that it was even possible for you to, um, like you said, you know, be in charge of what you thought, how you thought it, what you felt, how you felt it. It was a totally alien concept to me. Um, and it just transformed my entire life. Um, and then, and then I, I, I mean, I'm now a therapy junkie. I, I have therapy regularly with, and I work with lots of different people. Have um, you ever met a single person that you didn't think would benefit from therapy? No. No, I nor have I. No. And, and that's the thing is like, I think therapy gets this, you know, and I know I definitely thought this way, you know, it was something Americans did. Um, oh, I do think that some, it's, um, too Americanized in some ways yeah. but in terms of have I ever met a single person that I don't think would benefit from therapy no not a no, single person no me neither um but people still think that therapy is for only for you if you're you know right right down there broken broken, broken. struggling and yeah because people can be broken you know broken as in no longer working yeah no. uh, uh, yeah it's it I prefer to use the phrase wounded. Hurt. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone's broken. No. Um, I don't think, I don't think in terms of who we truly are, no, none of us are broken at all. We're just working through whatever we've got to work through so that we can improve the way we feel and improve the way that we move through life. Um, so that, like you said, it's more level, calmer. Um, and that's really what therapy gave me was that, I grew up in this sort of up and down, up and down, up and down roller coaster life. Um, and that's what therapy started to help me find was that baseline where I didn't have to be a screaming banshee or a complete hot mess or, you know, a fucking head case, which is what I was at 25. Um, I'm utterly assuming I'm allowed to swear on this, by the way. I swear like a trooper. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, I figured from our social media interactions that would, be, that would be. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm always completely <laughs> professional in such situations. Obviously, me too. Um, so yeah, and then and then about ten years later, maybe a bit more than ten years later, um, I had my two beautiful children, and that oh my goodness, I'd had various pockets of therapy between those times, but um, yeah, that brought up a whole other load of utter shit from my childhood and I realized on this one afternoon this is what sent me into actually training myself because I realized one afternoon whilst screaming at my three and a half year old daughter 
um, that I was turning into the parents, the grown-ups from my childhood. And I did not want to do that. Yes. And I got straight on the phone to my therapist, my original therapist, and said, oh, my God. Guess what? I'm turning into the monsters that I was surrounded by. How yeah. do you think it happens? <laughs> oh! Let's see. Yeah, totally. It's all subconscious, isn't it? So. Oh, my God, yeah. I so, just, yeah. I, it blows my mind that other people I mean I'm con like the words it blows my mind is something that comes out of my mouth every single day because I'm always I every day I think that I've realized that people don't think the same way and then someone will say something and I'll go do other people think like that like it I'm just whoa because I think I understand that we all have different brains that think different ways because we come from different people and different situations but then something will happen and I'll go you went that way and I went that way and we were both in the same situation how did that happen and I have to then have that internal monologue in my head of because you heard your mum say that and then your dad say that and your child say that and you were in that situation and it reminded you of that and they had that same thing happening to them and then I'm just like wow it's amazing and it happens in in like the blink of an eye faster than the blink of an eye yeah faster that that's what that's what amazes me is the is the I'm gonna make up a word now um the automaticness I don't think that's a word. Um, it isn't, but it worked. But it works, but it explains what I'm trying to explain. That, that's what fascinates me, is that it, it's just so unbelievably fast and, and there, and, and there's so much stuff stored in this beautiful thing that you have in your head um, that, that you don't even know consciously is there, that you have no conscious awareness of, unless you start doing the work to bring it up to conscious awareness, which is what fascinates me, totally fascinates me, um, and, and why I do the work I do. And, and I love nothing more than having a conversation with a one-to-one -one client. I had one last week, um, and, and they explained something to me, and I could absolutely see the connection all the way through from what they told me previously, and it had never occurred to them. No. And I oh, I'm I'm so I'm incredibly lucky that I have the mind that um, I I mean, especially for like Clubhouse and stuff like that, I can hear people in their voices. I can sense when there's issues and stuff like that, and I can and I can get that from different forums. I don't necessarily have to be with that person. It blows my mind that I know why they've just thought what they've thought, yet they have no clue. Yeah. And then I'll be sitting there and I'll have lost my mind over something and I haven't had the time to realise that it's from something in the past that's made me lose it until four hours later. But I can see it in someone else. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's so much easier to see it in other people. But that's, I mean, when, when, I, when I went back for therapy, when I had my girls um the therapy that I had had that I had had several years before was hypnotherapy but at the same time I came across mindfulness and it was really mindfulness hypnotherapy is amazing I I say to people it's the 
It's the closest thing to real life Harry Potter magic that I have ever, ever seen. <laughs> I've it, never had it. It's, it's just the most phenomenal uh, therapy for me. Uh, I'm training a group of people up to become, my first group of people up to become hypnotherapists at the moment. And the things that are happening in the training room, you know, little phobias that they've had that we're working on. And then they're posting in the Facebook group after going, oh, my God, I picked up a tortoise today, having had like a lifelong. Oh, frogs. Right. There you go. So but it, it just is magic. It just it, it blows my mind, as you would say, um, every every time I work with someone and you see the change in them. Um, but mindfulness is what gave me and which, as you say, it's a practice and I still practice it every day. But it, that's what gave me, started to give me the ability to realize things as they were happening, to, to realize what I was clicking into and where this, and to feel that automatic thing coming. It kind of gives you that, I can't explain it properly, it gives you a bit of space so that you can feel the automatic thing coming and you get this like opportunity to go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to take a step back and take a breath and I'm going to think about how I want to respond. And again, it all happens so quickly. But it just... when I can, yeah, when I can catch myself, I, I'm always brought back to a podcast that I listened to with Russell Brand. And he he was um, he was interviewing somebody who had previously had addiction issues and they said um that when they relapsed and they picked up a drink they were trying to discover why they'd picked up that drink and Russell Brand said it happened way before you realize and the guy said I don't understand what you mean he said the trigger for you picking up that drink wasn't when you picked up that drink the trigger for you picking up that drink was way before you realize and that was like that's what I needed to hear the trigger for me losing my mind isn't when I lose my mind it's way before that and I need that space and that calmness to go I'm not getting there yeah I'm not going down that route because that picking up that drink that losing that mind is the loss of control that you're trying to not ever get to find the trigger that's 10 steps before that that was fascinating for and me that's it and that's exactly what hypnotherapy does hypnotherapy finds the trigger and so you remove the trigger and then it doesn't get triggered obviously so then so then it's it's gone you know it's um the the and and it really is just a case of bringing it up to conscious awareness you know so that's why i mean it, it's just like magic it just it just helps you to remove those things that before would have produced fear or panic or whatever the emotion is in you. And then you can be in a similar situation and feel, don't feel anything. So there's nothing to respond to. There's nothing to react to because it doesn't bother you. So to then take that to become a business, how did that happen for you? So that happened, um, I went back to my therapist for these, when I started screaming at my children um and as a result of the sessions that I started having there 
I said to him because I had had I had been a corporate event manager that had been my career before I had my babies and I'd given that up because event management and children don't mix in they do not (laughs) and I chose my kids um and and I said to my therapist do you think I could do this what you do do you think I could do it and he looked at me and he said I've been waiting 10 years for you to ask me that question (laughs) oh okay righty-ho um, Thank so God his answer wasn't no. Yeah, I know, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> and the answer's no. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been too brilliant for words, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, so then as a result of that, then then I started training with him. And I, and I so we trained one-to-one and I worked it around my kids. I mean, they were three and a half and 18 months old at the time. Um, so I worked it around them and became a jobbing hypnotherapist and like I say came across mindfulness while I was training and so trained in that as well because it fascinated me because I heard all this stuff about mindfulness and all these people were waxing lyrical about it and saying oh my god and it's mind-blowing and it's this most amazing thing and then when they described what it, what it actually was I was like well that's really simple and that's, that's- like that's just normal, isn't it? As you lose your mind. Yeah. It's like easy shit, man. What, how is that blowing everybody's mind? So I trained in it out of utter curiosity and it completely blew my mind. Um, so because, yes, it is simple, but it also transforms, like completely transforms the way you see everything. But I think it's so simple because most of us don't think simply. Most of us are overthinking everything. And that's why we don't think in tiny steps of logical paths we think you know of in the future how's this gonna react and you know when when people say things like don't spend more than five minutes thinking about something that's not going to affect you in five years time and you're like I don't fucking know what's gonna affect me in five years time but I know that if my my child just ruined my carpet and I'm gonna kill them and then and then afterwards you go the carpet's still ruined and my child's crying and now I now I've got a headache like I didn't get anywhere with this you know you can't think like that at the time but when you're practicing mindfulness you absolutely can you absolutely go carpet's still gonna be ruined you really don't need a headache the child can just tidy up what they can and I can just sit down and finish my cup of tea and the world didn't end and we're all okay yeah that's it totally and and so so yeah I I trained in both the things and I was I just saw people on a one-to-one basis to start with and then started running workshops and then a friend asked me if um I did anything in schools so I put my schools program together um and started going into primary schools and teaching oh my god they're just the most cute children ever um mindfulness-based techniques and then someone said to me one day you do realize don't you that what you're doing uh what people come to you for regardless of what they come to you for what they're actually looking for is happiness and it really hit me my my company wasn't called the happiness club for the first four or five years of its incarnation um but it really hit me and at the same time i was having conversations with people who needed or wanted therapy but couldn't afford it and i wasn't extortionate at the time 
I was having conversations with people who lived, I was part of a national networking organization. So I was having conversations with people who lived 300 miles away and wanted sessions with me, but I wasn't, I'm not very technical. And I couldn't, I couldn't see how I could do hypnotherapy on Zoom. I couldn't get it to go in my head. And then I was having conversations with my one-to-one -one clients who were saying things to me like, so if I could just put you in my pocket and take you home, that would be super. You can live in my dining room. Those were kind Sounds of- Sounds reasonable. I thought so. Um, and uh, so all of those conversations were going on at the same time. And I was thinking, how can I, like, how can I be there more for my one-to-one -one clients without it completely taking over my life? Because I have children and a husband and things I like to do. Um, and how can I reach people that live 300 miles away? And how can I help people that can't afford to come for therapy, but really need some support? And I had this conversation about happiness and then lying on my sofa one evening with my husband watching telly, it, you know, when you have one of those moments where it all explodes in your head. And I just sat bolt up right on the sofa and went, oh my God, it's a club. Oh my God, it's a club and it's the happiness club. And I'll give them something every He's day. He's ringing the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gone. She's finally gone. It's, it's happened. Um, but yeah, we started off as a Facebook group and I was like, I'll put something in there every day, a tool, a technique, a something, a story, a something for them to hold on to just so that they know someone gives a shit about them every single day. Um, and so my one-to-one -one clients can go in there in between sessions. The people who can't afford therapy can go in there. The people who live hundreds of miles away can go in there and I'll give them all something every single day so they've got something to hold on to. And, and I very much see the club, I mean, we've moved from Facebook onto our own app now, but I very much see the club as me putting my arms around all the members every single morning and saying, it's all right, I've got you. Think about it like this today, see it like that today, have a go at this today, try this today. And if you need me, I'm right here. So when we first started off, it was obviously just me. And now we have a team of therapists and they get 24 seven access to a therapist. For They can email us, call us, message us, just if they just want to rant, you know, sometimes you just need to go to someone so they can do that or they can- Or you might as well just live in my dining room actually, It'd just be easier. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> <Not> moving. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was, that was my solution. And I started the Happiness Club six years ago with seven members and um and we we have we have 300 individual members and we have 700 corporate members at the moment so wow um, that's amazing yeah so it's really it's it really i mean my target is 10,000 members um because i think yeah do you always think big uh i didn't and I think that's part of my business journey. And you'll understand this as a businesswoman. I mean, when I first started, do you know what I mean? I shit myself. <laughs> oh, see, uh, see, I'm, I'm the opposite. The I, I, I start things and I'm like, so world domination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've built up to world domination. I, I've, I've been like, um, I've been very, uh, what's the word I want? Perimenopause is kicking in and I can't fucking remember the word I want. Thinking small. Um, yeah, something like that. Um, and then, and then I did, I used to, I did, oh, I've done so many courses in the course of running my own business. Um, and I did this one course where we were asked to set a goal and I set a goal for something like 250 members. And she said, now times it by however many. 
And actually what I found was, like I set a target a while ago for a thousand and the woman said, times it by 10. And I times it by 10. And actually what I found was 10,000 felt easier than a thousand, which is really bizarre, but it really did. It felt like, oh my God, that's so doable. Whereas a thousand felt quite hard to get to. So, I sat and did my profit and loss forecast, but because I'm quite a numbers person and spreadsheets like porn to me. So I sat and did my profit and loss for like three or four years, something like that. I do this sometimes when I can't sleep and I just need things out of my head. And the total in like three, I think it was in three years time, was that I'd have a turnover of 4.3 million or 5.4 million, something like that. And individually, the numbers were all completely doable. But that number at the end scared the fucking life out of me. And I was like, no, no, that can't be real. Because we do that to ourselves. We go, oh, no, that's not possible. But when we kind of say, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to be and that's how it's, you know, and we've set that path, it just becomes easier. It just, it just opens, well, it opens you up, doesn't it, to the possibilities, to the opportunities. I mean, at the moment, um, I mean, 10,000 for me feels we've landed our first corporate client uh, just during the summer holidays and they're joining us in a couple of weeks time. So we will have our thousand members in a couple of weeks time. And, um, and so now for me, 10,000 is easy because all I have to do is find however many more corporate clients. If I find one corporate client with 10,000 staff, I've done it. 9,000 staff, see how good I am at maths. Um, I've done it, you know, so, um, and I'm having conversations with companies now that employ 10 or 15 times that. So I, I feel, I keep saying to people at the moment, I feel a bit like Del Boy at the moment because I keep saying this time next year. <laughs> oh, I've got an ex-husband like that. It's hilarious. I love it. We're really good friends, so I get to mock him still, but he's completely Del Boy. Next yeah. year, and I'm like, go on, tell me the end of the story. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's what I feel like at the moment because I'm having really exciting conversations with some really big companies, and I and if if even one of them came off, I'd be made for life. Um, but what I always say is, if anyone's having those conversations with me, then the next one will too. Yeah, and that's what I always say. It doesn't matter if that person says yes to me. I feel for people who feel, I feel sorry for people who think that everything should be a yes because I don't feel like that. I think if it's a no, it's a no for the right reason. I don't ever feel, I don't ever chase anyone. My philosophy is that you're not an ice cream van, I'm not going to chase you. So the next person that I speak to, if they want to work with me, it's a mutual choice. Like I just don't get that whole salesy thing right it's like you must work with me it's really good for you and I think that that's forced and that's not comfortable for me and I'm just not for I'm not for that so if you're having any conversations with any corporates that means you will have many conversations with many corporates you'll absolutely hit that 10,000 people like that it's just an absolute no-brainer you just have to keep having those conversations that's it isn't it it's all about having the conversations and and um I'm I I get very impatient though I'm quite that's my I said to someone yesterday I think my lesson for this lifetime is patience because I have all these ideas 
and I have and I am like oh my god that's amazing I have to do it now and I have to do that now and why aren't we at 10,000 members now um because I want because I can see it I can see how it happens I can see it being so when it's 10,000 is it gonna be 100,000 yeah yeah thought it would yeah we just keep going don't we so yeah why not Absolutely. You're just helping more people. That's what I always feel. I think that was the switch in my business. The switch in my business was from doing a good job for people to helping everyone. Yeah. That made such a difference to me and my business, but mainly me, because it wasn't about money. It wasn't about fame or infamy or anything like that. I can't think of anything worse. It was just about showing up and helping people every single day and that just made me feel happy and because it made me feel happy I could do it every single day and then the money came anyway because people like to be around people that are helping people that switch was everything for me yeah yeah it makes a huge different impact over income isn't it it's um it makes a massive difference completely completely so where do you see the business going? Will it just be the Happiness Club or will there be other incarnations of the Joe world? So primarily the Happiness Club, um, but there are lots of different strands to the Happiness Club. So there's the Happiness Club itself, the membership club, which is my main focus at the moment. But we talked about world domination. I, I realised about three years ago that if I was going to take over the world that I would need some help to do it. So I started training people up to become happiness club trainers to deliver my corporate resilience workshops and my schools program that I had put together that just me had been running up to that point. And, you know, but I realized it was more the schools program than anything else because it's a four week, one day a week program. So I was like, well, I can't go more than an hour from my house realistically because I have to go there every week for four weeks I can't do a school in London you know I've got two kids here and blah blah where so, are you uh, I'm just outside Liverpool oh wow okay you don't have the accent so I had no idea from, I'm from Somerset originally oh I see um, but I'm, you're a foreigner then I am yeah I'm an adopted scouser I married a scouser and I have scouse children um which when I get drunk I sound scouse <laughs> If that helps at all, no I, idea. If I, if I get excited, I get I do get a Scouse twang, but I also have a Somerset twang. So yes, I've, I've got the Somerset twang, but I have oh, I haven't excited you yet. Sorry. Uh, if I'm if I'm drunk or tired, I sound like I'm from Liverpool. It's very funny. My daughters have started. My daughters now are thirteen and eleven, and they've started telling me that I'm posh. Yeah, so I got that. I went to my school reunion last weekend or the weekend before maybe and they were like oh my god you are so posh I was like no I'm not and my best friend came with me because my husband was supposed to be golfing and um and she was like oh my god Denise I was like shut up I am not posh I've changed I know we're not posh like you mummy that's what my kids say to me on a regular basis (laughs) okay whatever. and then we show up online swearing like teachers. <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> so yeah, anyway so, world domination so so yeah so i i started training people up to become happiness club trainers so currently there are uh, off the top of my head 15 of us in the uk 
and with another five or six in training. And we have a lovely lady in New Zealand as well. Um, so we're looking. Wow. For, yes, that came across. That Genuinely came across. wild domination. Yeah, but that's the idea. Um, so, so she's looking to start building her own group of trainers down there, which would be lovely. Which means, obviously, I'll have to go on business trips to New Zealand. Um, I'm good <laughs> at carrying. No, I'm not good at carrying bags. I'm good at you organizing just... the evening meal okay and you could drink my i don't drink alcohol so you could drink my share of whatever alcohol there is oh my i could because new zealand do good wine so that would be i a, could carry the wine okay cool let's do that nice. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there must be a reason why i have to go to new zealand well the salon owners in new zealand i can help them see see it's all, it's all good so yeah genuinely world domination I, I'm looking at uh, starting to focus my attention on America um, for, for for trainers now I want to we've got quite a few members of the happiness club in America now so um, start putting some feelers out there it is that's the plan Take sounds amazing so if anyone wants to join the happiness club where do they find you so the best place is our website which is the happinessclub.co.uk it explains all about the club and how it works on there and you're on facebook as well aren't you i am on facebook you on all the socials i'm on uh, well all the old people's socials as my children <laughs> tell me <laughs> i'm on facebook which is for old people apparently of course yeah um, as joe happiness howarth i'm on linkedin which is for old people for old people yeah um, as joe happiness howarth i'm on instagram which the i old people young people but my children tell me is for old people because they're all on because they're all on things i've never even heard of tiktok tiktok and snapchat although that's gone old now apparently has it oh good because i won't let my kids have snapchat they're on tiktok mostly and there's one that i can't remember the name of but anyway. oh god please don't give me another one I know there's loads of them I'm on I'm on all the old people ones yeah, yeah I was told the other day that I had to revive my Twitter feed and I was like no 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 I'm my my mum genuinely said to me a couple of months ago I'm sick of the sight of your face <laughs> I was like am I overdoing it she was like yes I'm so <laughs> sick of seeing you I was like okay <laughs> okay mummy <laughs> sorry I just say to everyone like just delete me like if you can ring me you don't need to see me on social media it's fine I know bless me anyway brutal absolutely brutal I think you've got a beautiful face and I love reading your posts there you go <laughs> I know I've got red wine lips now anyway but we're coming to the end of the podcast and I end all of the podcasts with the eight mile moment. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I love Eminem and he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him. He's skinny, he's white, his mum lives in a trailer so that his opponent can't say anything bad back to him. So Joe, what are the worst things about you? Oh my God. Oh, how there's so many. Um, the worst things about me are that I'm impatient with my children. I get really, 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 really fucking annoyed when they're late. It really pisses me off, um, which I know is utterly my stuff, but oh my God. Um, 
Mine is repetition. Can't <laughs> fucking stand it. You've just said that. I, you don't need to tell me again. Oh, but can you remember? And I'm like, please don't say it again. Don't say it again. Please don't say it again. And they're like, but I just want, don't, just don't say it again. Drives me insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. <laughs> so yeah, that would be the worst thing about me, I think. Um, I'm I'm bigger than I want to be physically. Uh, I put on a lot of weight in lockdown and... Oh, good, so did I. <laughs> And and because of the perimenopause, I kind of blame the perimenopause, but actually, really, I just like chocolate. So it's one of those you kind of go, oh, yeah, no, I'm perimenopausal, but actually I'm shoveling chocolate down my face. So I went on two holidays, one after the other, and thought, oh, it's fine because I'm really into my exercise. So I thought I'll drop a couple of pounds and, it, you know, it'll be all right. Not that I can drop weight like I used to be able to, but like I'll be able to drop like literally the day that we were leaving a holiday I did my back in and I couldn't move for 18 days so then I put even more weight on I was like no I can I've been able to move for two days now so I'm like that I must start getting out there don't overdo it I know I know I'm not okay but (laughs) (laughs) that's me and I I kid myself that I'm eating healthily and I'm just not I'm just not it's all so you're a you're a liar who has no patience yeah pretty much yeah Yeah. essentially (laughs) awesome (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for being on the podcast joe thank you for having me anytime and as always if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast you can contact us at podcast at find hyphen surveyors.co.uk catch you all tomorrow bye